When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, we look ahead to one of the most major milestones of our lives when we graduate into retirement. Now, here's our valedictorian and certified financial planner practitioner, Eric Brotman, your host of Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. Get ready for inspiration and actionable advice to guide you towards a seamless transition into a dignified retirement where you get to make your dreams a reality. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate. This is Eric Brotman, your host, and this is episode 17 of our first season, our freshman year. And today we have a guest who is a renowned author, a gentleman who has had more career twists and turns than most, and who has written a book called Repurpose Your Career, A Practical Guide for the Second Half of Your Life, which I absolutely love. And so, Mark Miller, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Um, we spoke a, a little bit about um, the, the, what a pivot is, and I, I think that's such a, a nice reference. And, and, you know, I understand that you're a recovering engineer, so that's why you would use such a technical term. Can you describe what you mean by a career pivot and how that might differ from uh, some, of the other, the, some of the other ways we might think about it, like a shift or a break or a sabbatical or any of these other kinds of concepts? Sure. Usually when those of us in the second half of life, and and yes, as a recovering engineer, which, by the way, there was a 12-step program for that, I we, we need to maintain our income very often because, put it bluntly, uh, where I live now in Ajijic, Mexico, uh, I, I live with a lot of economic refugees, uh, people who still need to make money, but, uh, but they, they can't afford to retire. And so... The way I always like to say it is, if, I, if I'm an engineer and I suddenly say, I want to go be a pastry chef, my response is good luck. But if I suddenly said, let's, let's go say, let's go be an engineer in a bakery and then start saying, okay, can I go, once I'm in the bakery, can I transition to something closer and closer and closer? In my seven career transitions, and some people say I can't hold a job, <laughs> every one of them has been what I refer to as a half-step career transition. In other words, I had one foot in the old world, one foot in the new world, and there was always a relationship that took me across. In other words, I never did it alone. So the idea here is making very, very logical incremental steps and therefore that's where the term pivot came from i think that's a great idea and and quite frankly you, you know our audience is is very used to this idea that frankly retirement's bad for you uh, in its traditional sense even if you could afford to retire entirely as long as you haven't retreated and disappeared um, you don't necessarily have to do something for money if you can afford that and you're financially independent and certainly we're trying to coach people to become financially independent but 
even if you're even if you're financially independent, you, you really shouldn't just sit around. You need a, a exciting reason to get out of bed every morning. And it sounds like you found that. Um, and one of the things, Mark, that that you've done that is really terrific is that you have combined two really loaded words: purpose and profit. And you've talked about this future with both. Can you talk about how that came to be and, and where that messaging uh, emanated? Yeah, I think when you really come down to it, uh, I'm a mission-driven kind of guy. I, I have no intention of retiring. Uh, when you look at my uh, – I'm a Berkman consultant. I use the Berkman assessment. If you look at my assessment – I am completely mission-driven. And if I go back and look at my career, I've had various different times where I've worked on projects that violated my moral, you know, uh, things I couldn't do hmm. because I found them morally objectionable. One of them was as a consultant on a sh- working for one of the short-term lending vendors, i.e. pawn shops. I couldn't do that. And two... Many of us are driven by a certain amount, our values and what makes us feel valued sometimes is making the money. And I'm not quite that way, but I work with a lot of folks in my online community and my coaching practice who that's, that was, that's what drives them. And that's the reward. And so you have to, one of the key things I tend to work with people on is what makes you feel valued? And one of the easiest ways of looking at this is go back in your career and when did you feel the most valued? And what the heck did they do? (laughs) Because we're all different. And I actually break this down into six different categories. Um, One's the mission. Um, I find ex-military and nonprofit folks, if the mission is right, they don't care about anything else. The next is the, uh, the bonus check, the financial reward. And then there is the public recognition. And then the last three don't cost anything, which is the pat in the back from your boss, your team, or your client. And so most of us want two, maybe three of those. And one thing I tell you, we're all very different. And so one of the things, if you just go retire and sit down and don't do anything, uh, go play golf every day, what's going to make you feel valued? The first thing you got to do is understand what the hell, what the heck does make you feel valued. Uh, yeah, that 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 does make sense, and you know that what's exciting about having you on the show is I get you know a, a free twenty five minute coaching session personally, which is fantastic um, because I, I look at your list and I and I can I can tell I know what I'm motivated by, and it's definitely mission driven. But but more importantly. Um, understanding when I felt most valued in my career was when we really made a difference for a family, whether it was that uh, their son or daughter got into get into college and they were able to afford it, whether it was reaching financial independence and being able to uh, to make work optional, whether it was uh, dealing with a, uh, a tragedy, a death of a parent or something, and, and being prepared for it at least logistically and financially as best as they could. Um, I, I feel like the it's the big moments. You know, I, I, haven't you heard um, there's a, a, a saying, I think, that any captain can navigate in a calm sea? And so it really, you, you, you earn your keep not when seas are calm, but when they're rough and when you bring the ship home safely. So um, I, I love that idea. And, and so tell me a little bit about your, tell me a, bit, a little bit about your book. The book is called Repurpose Your Career, 
a practical guide for the second half of life. Now, we're, you know, you're a math guy. So second half of life, if I were to, to be as careful as an engineer might, sounds like 50 in and 50 out. Is that the front nine and the back nine? Or is it the second half of career? Or how do you, how do you define that? Well, for all of us, this changes. Um, sometimes it's when we get our mortgage paid off. And suddenly, wow, I don't need to work as hard as I used to. Sometimes it's when our kids go off to college and we become empty nesters. Sometimes it's when certain things happen. Uh, I'll use myself for an example. Uh, In the early 2000s, I had a kind of multiple things happen. One was uh, (laughs) in 99, I worked for IBM and IBM screwed me on my pension. And I gave them the single finger salute and went to work for a successful tech startup. Mark, yeah. <laughs> this is a family show. <laughs> and yeah, well, I, you know, IBM, back then you just didn't leave IBM because they were the mothership. I joke, when I graduated uh-huh. from college, I went to work for the Borg, IBM. And then so, my, my, yeah. my startup was acquired by the sister of the Borg, Lucent. And one of the, the key pieces here is we, I, I was able to pay off the house. Our son went off to college. We became an empty nester. Uh, we have, were able to fund his college education from the essentially the retention bonuses we got from uh, the acquisition by Lucent. And so in my middle 40s, I was debt free. And then on July 11th of 2002, um, I was riding my bicycle with my bicycle club. And I came down a hill and turned into a uh, turned into a blind turn where the road was cambered the wrong way. And I slammed into a 96 Toyota Corolla head on and our combined speeds Ooh. exceeded 50 miles an hour. Uh, my buddies in front of me thought a gun had gone off. Uh, I wow. tore up a knee. I broke a hip. I dislocated a shoulder, broke a bunch of ribs, uh, broke the clavicle, but I had no internal injuries and no brain injuries. I'm willing to admit to. And, uh, they had, and this me was in your late forties. This is my late 40s. Okay, all right. And so I, 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 they had me walking in crutches in three days. I was back in a bike in 10 weeks, flying back to China in four months. And, uh, oh, by the way, I flew right smack into the middle of the SARS epidemic in Guangdong province. Mm-hmm. That was my, what I call my moment of clarity. Uh, I'm going, why am I doing this? Um, I, have, I, I have choices. And that's when I, you know, I, I went off and taught high school math for two years after that in inner city high school. For me, that's kind of where my second half of life began. So for all of us, it's a little bit different. And for many of us, it's when something finally clicks and we suddenly go, okay, I'm ready to do something different. So you, you mentioned IBM and you mentioned your pension and we don't need to talk in great detail about that <laughs> specific what? big big blue or anything, but pensions are pensions are a, a topic of major concern. Um, you know, a lot of private sector pensions have either become frozen or gone away. Uh, public sector pensions are under um, intense scrutiny and pressure um, because there are a lot of different variables that go into them, and it is a it is a very interesting math problem, and you probably can do the algorithms in your head. Most people need actuaries for that, but 
Um, I, you know, I, I think we're in a world where there's now a full generation coming up who will never have a pension in almost every case, who have no confidence that Social Security will exist in its material form, and really feel like they're on their own from go. Uh, and oh, by the way, they're 50 grand in debt coming out of school too. So it's, what, what would you tell uh, a 16-year-old a you in today's world? Fast forward, you were, you were now born uh, in, in 2003. So right around the time of your bicycle accident, um, what would you tell a 16-year-old you today about uh, about what the future looks like and, and how to handle that. Well, I interviewed Andrew Scott on my own podcast who wrote the book 100-Year Life. And I highly recommend anybody who's 16 today or really anyone's great book. And he talks about the fact that, you know, when, when I grew up or my parents grew up, they, they led a standard three-stage life, i.e. they were educated, they grew up and were educated, they then had a career, and then they retired. And 10, 15 years into retirement, they died. Today, what we're going to see is you're still going to spend the first 25 years of life growing up and getting educated. But then what you're going to do is you're going to continue to work and morph every 10 to 15 years and reinvent yourself. Where you know, I grew, you know, my, my expectation was a three-stage life, that I was going to uh, graduate from college. I said I thought I was going to go work for IBM and work for them for 30 years and then ride off into the sunset and retire. And that didn't happen. Well, for a 16-year-old. Did 16 the gold watch get that, lost in the mail? <laughs> that's right. Did the, did the gold watch get lost in the mail? You betcha. Yes, I said, they, they converted me to a cash balance plan in 99, and I said, give me the money, I'm leaving. And which, as it turned out, was the smartest move I ever made. But today, if you look at, you know, um, a 16-year-old or a 20-year-old, their life expectancy is probably on the order of 120. And when I had Andrew on my podcast, one of the things he talked about was when he would talk about this stuff to the younger people, they would go, ew, I don't want to live to 120. But as we get older, we understand that, you know, as we age, our idea of being old changes. And that's one of the critical things. I'm down here in Ahihik, and I live in a community of largely expats and i got 80 year old women who hike up the mountain here and kick my butt uh, <laughs> that was not my idea of what it looked like to be 80 right and so therefore one of the things that andrew talks in his book is saying okay you're gonna get married probably later you're going to more likely marry your peer and you are going to take turns between you and your partner of reinventing yourself every 10 to 15 years. And by the way, you won't actually retire until probably you're 90 or older. That's a in, real in a perfect, different concept than we grew up with. In a perfect world, that's true. Um, there are extenuating circumstances. Sometimes it's medical, sometimes it's familial. And there are a lot of people who at 65 or 70 are now leaving the workforce to take care of their parents who are 95, um, which is a new phenomenon in some ways. Um, there are also folks who, because of the, the occupation, I mean, I, I think if you're, if you're an accountant and you're cognitively sound, you can work into your 80s. If you're, um, if you're a, a, a fence post driver, 
Um, that may not be true. I mean, in some cases, I'm sure it is, but in many cases, it's not. So how do you prepare for a 35-year, I'm not going to call it a vacation because it's not, but how do you prepare for 35 years potentially after you're physically able to work? And that it requires an enormous amount of capital and an unbelievable set of resources logistically and financially to do it. Um, so are you, you've built a, you've essentially built a community. You've built an online community and you've done it from Mexico, but there's folks all over the world who are, who are experiencing this. And I think that's one of the most unique things about your story and your message is that nine years ago, you essentially launched an online community. Can you talk about that? And, and sort of, I, I watched some of the videos on the site. I thought it was spectacular. Um, tell us more about that. Sure. When I came out of my last tech startup, and I, I joke I worked for a sociopath and said, I'm not doing that anymore. And we were not rich, but we were financially probably better off than most. Uh, we live well below our means and always have. And we made very conscious decisions. And the, the birth of Career Pivot actually goes back to 2006 when I came out of um, I taught for two years, discovered I could, even though I was highly successful, I couldn't do that and stay healthy. And I walked into a room at a job club, Launchpad Job Club, that was I was affiliated with for the next 12 years, where all these laid off people from mostly high-tech companies who, who, deer in the headlights, are going, I've worked for a company for 30 years or 25 years. What the hell do I do now? I've been laid off. And I looked around and I said, wow, they kind of look a lot like me. And, and I'm going, who's taking care? Who's, who cares about all these baby boomers and their careers? And the answer was nobody. Uh, there were very few books. Uh, there was the only one I found that I liked was Don't Re Retire, Rewire. But the idea was we we're all going to go retire. And then 2000, the 2007, 2008, 2009 recession hit, and our meetings on Friday exploded to 400 people. And wow. going, wow. And I kept on looking around, and uh, just like you said, I, I hired a, a, a college student to do some research for me. And the numbers he came back to me with weren't bad. They were god-awful. And I'm going, well, by the way, most of us, you know, 80% are probably not going to be able to retire, at least not retire the way our parents did. And so, okay, that means I need to continue to work. And in fact, I was on a panel discussion two years ago with a gentleman from Australia, uh, sorry, from New Zealand, and his job was to help companies retain their older workers. Ain't that innovative. And the problem New Zealand has is when the kids graduate from school, they tend to leave the island. And his comment to me was, if you want to work into your 70s, and many of us either will want to or have to, he said, you got to plan that in your 50s. Because it's probably not a full-time, single full-time job. Well, for most of us, that's a huge mindset shift. And it's, it's very often it's getting people to shift that idea that, 
oh, I'm going to have a paycheck coming in every week versus managing my cash flow. And for many of us, I, I know in my online community, one of the things that has surprised me is everybody wants freedom. They want freedom to work on what they want to work, how hard they want to work, and when they want to work on it, which kind of sounds like our kids. And that's a real tough shift to make. And so that's, give me an idea, that's that's the direction I'm heading now. And I started out thinking I was just going to do this with individual coaching. And in order to make it scale, I've kind of moved to a membership model because it you know it takes a village to uh, you know it, it takes a village to help people make these kind of changes. You're you, you hit on a a, a bunch of different um, third rails there. Um, it, one of which is this idea that you need to plan for your 70s and your 50s. I would say millennials have already figured this out. They all have side hustles, and sometimes that's because there's a need for the extra money just to make rent and pay student loans and so forth. But sometimes it's a, a recognition that they don't expect to be with their current employer for 30 years. They may not be there for three years. Um, they also have a continuum of education. You know, it's, it's very difficult if you haven't refreshed your skills, and, and not just your skills, but just your awareness of, of the world. Think about the technology that we used 30 and, and so years ago. You know, I'm 25 years in, in the financial industry, and, and when we started, I mean, there was no internet, there was no email, it was difficult to reach people, it was all done by phone, and by God, you could get a busy signal trying to reach someone. So think how the world's changed and how much pressure that's created. There are, there are folks who just haven't, um, they haven't pivoted, they haven't um, continued to graduate to the next level of their careers, and they're really in a lurch. It is so hard, to, much harder than people realize, to get a job with an employer when you're in your 60s or 70s. It's darn hard, and I'm sure your community talks about this. It's not impossible, but it's darn difficult. And companies, ironically, companies are afraid to hire folks who they don't think they'll have a long tenure with, but at the same time, they hire millennials who don't want a long tenure with the company. Does that make sense? Well, one of the things I, one of the things I preach now is Playing it safe is a new risky. The only the only safety there is is in yourself. The only person that you can uh, you know rely on is yourself. You must. Uh, in fact, I I've, the last few weeks I do a uh, a presentation called "Embrace Creative Destruction" or "Be a Turkey." It's your choice. And by the way, the concept of creative destruction is as a new technology comes in, it destroys the next. And think about just in the recent time what Amazon and the iPhone has done to various industries. And the concept of a turkey is comes from uh, Nasheed Talib. He talks about uh, a turkey for 999 days lives a wonderful life. The butcher takes wonderful care of him. Every day is better than the last. Everything they know tells them that this will go on forever until the fourth Thursday of November in, um, in the fourth year when suddenly it's not so good to be a turkey. And the concept is you, the only person you can depend on is you. 
and that means taking care of your your employer is no longer going to educate you. So therefore, I tell everybody you need to attend at least one industry conference a year on your nickel. You're responsible for that. Um, listen to podcasts because they're free. And I had people say, there's no podcast for me. And I say, there's chameleon breeders podcast. There's a podcast for everything. <laughs> and lastly is uh, all the online courses that are available. Uh, by the way, I, I enrolled in a course called for ads for authors where I learn about Amazon ads and Facebook ads for uh, selling books. I can run my own ad campaign and I can do it pretty darn well. And I didn't spend a whole lot of money to learn how to do that. And I couldn't do that five years ago. So it's learning to essentially take care of your own self. And by the way, the book was uh, Anti-Fragile, which is a really, really interesting book, uh, which I would recommend people to kind of wake up and, and, and look at the world as it is today uh, through a different set of eyeglasses. I have no desire to be the turkey in that scenario. <laughs> um, and, and, and I do, you know, and, and it does make sense where it feels like everything's going along swimmingly. And of course, in the, in the financial industry, there were a lot of folks in the 90s who thought, boy, is this an easy business um, because markets only go up. And there were real estate folks in the 2000s who said, boy, is this an easy business? Housing prices only go up. And you know, interest rates only go down. And I mean, it's sort of a, this is the way it's always been. It's almost Orwellian in its own way. So how do you, how does your community address or does your community address recession-proofing a career? Um, be, oh. Because I get the sense that um, the reduction in force that comes when, uh, when economies turn and companies quaintly decide to right-size, which isn't quaint at all for the people who have been right-sized out. But um, when that happens, how do you have folks either recession-proof or unemployment-proof their own, their own uh, careers and futures? Well, I have a good buddy, uh, Tom Singer, who has a podcast called uh, The Cool Things That Entrepreneurs Do. And he, he's talked about several times about what you can do to, to recession-proof your career. And that is your network, your network, your network is understanding where your industry is going, which you're going to find out from your network. And then make sure you are well connected. One of the things that we tend to do is once we get a job and we put our heads down, we tend to go, well, I don't need anybody else right now. I don't, I'll just put my head down and start working. And you, I'm sorry, that doesn't work anymore. Um, and you always have to be looking ahead as to understand what's going to happen next and to be prepared. Uh, I always tell people, if you get a new job, you spend, spend the first six months uh, very diligently working very hard with your head down. And then over the next year and year and a half, you gradually go back into job search mode. So you're always after looking six for a months. Job. Yes, after six months. Wow. Okay. Well, if you are making in excess of $100,000, your next job search is probably going to take a year to two years. And one of the things I tell people is every 18 months, you need to prepare to move. Doesn't mean you will move, but you need to be prepared to move. 
There, there's, um, I mean, not only is that as as simple as making sure that you have a vitae and a resume and those kind of things. Uh, I look at LinkedIn on a regular basis. In fact, we're we're hiring uh, currently, and we hire a lot through LinkedIn. And as far as I'm concerned, there's two things not to do on LinkedIn. There's lots of them, but in terms of a job seeking situation. Um, or a, uh, a professional vitae situation. One is to list your occupation as currently exploring opportunities. That's euphemistic for not working will work for food. Uh, and the other is just to put retired. Who's going to click on that profile? I mean, well, the there's c- got to be something. It could be volunteerism, but there's got to be something that you're passionate about that's there um, rather, than, rather than having it look like you've completely punted. Well, I'll give you an idea. I I do a presentation on on where I reverse engineered uh, how recruiters search, and that is okay. If you look at how recruiters search, they tend to search on current job titles and keywords. So you have to make sure that your current job title is something that you want people to be found for. Now. If you look at my LinkedIn profile, you'll see my career pivot business. You'll also see me as repurpose your career podcaster. You'll see uh, I'm an author. I have I have multiple job titles because I have multiple jobs. Well, Mark, I could talk to you all day. Um, okay. fact, I might want to. I might want to. You can coach me. Um, I. I I want to make sure that we get our listeners that that extra credit sure. assignment. You've given sure. us. You've given us about a dozen pieces of wisdom and uh, resources, podcasts, books, uh, suggestions, and ideas for the last half an hour, um, and and it's like drinking from a fire hose. Quite frankly, I'm amazed at at all you jammed into a half hour conversation with me. Um, if there was one takeaway, one extra credit assignment that someone listening to could could uh, could click the end of this podcast and start to do immediately, what would it be? Okay. It's to reflect back on your entire career. And I like to say for most of us, um, by the way, I'm 63. I've worked for 40 years. I have a lot of big data. Go back in your career and when have you been the happiest and when were you the most miserable and why? Most of the time, it's because of the environment of the people you worked with. In other words, it's often more important who we worked with and the environment than what we did. Okay, go back and look at and understand why. That will give you a far better place to focus on as to what's next. That's fantastic advice and a great takeaway uh, mark how can folks reach you and how can they how can they find your your book your podcast and your and your community sure you can find you can contact me and feel free to reach out to me uh at mark it's m-a-r-c my mama knew how to spell at careerpivot.com uh, my website obviously is careerpivot.com and you'll find the podcast at careerpivot.com slash podcast itunes stitcher google podcast and all the other places that you find podcasts repurpose your career uh, third edition is available on amazon and at all the other fine online retailers 
And uh, lastly, if you're interested in my online community, you can go to careerpivot.com slash community, and you can learn more and sign up for the waiting list. Sounds fantastic. Mark, you've been a wonderful guest. I thank you for joining us today. And for all of our listeners out there, um, I, I don't even, you, this, we might have to listen to this three times to get all of the, all the nuggets of wisdom. So uh, I thank you very much for being on our show. For everyone out there, we'll be back again in two weeks with a, another engaging guest. Uh, and remember, don't retire, graduate. From this day forward, let us make each decision with our best interests in mind. Let us begin visualizing our dreams and reaching our goals. It's time to take the next steps in our life journey and build our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website, don'tretiregraduate.com to download episodes and connect with us on social media. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.